Every Thursday, we'll be releasing a pair of interviews with some amazing nonprofits talking about their awesome impact in the communities they are in. We'll talk about some challenges they've faced and chat about their best tips and tricks that might just help your organization do good better. Hey, enjoy these mini episodes of inspiration that make a major difference in the lives of those served by these incredible nonprofits. Hey there, friends. Before we get to a brand new episode of the official Do Good Better podcast, we want to thank you, the listener, for subscribing and sharing with all of your nonprofit friends. Most importantly, we need to be thanking the sponsors to this very show. Hey, if you're in the market for a CRM system that makes your life easier, there is no better item in your fundraising toolbox than DonorDoc. DonorDoc is not only the premier sponsor to the show, it is the premier and intuitive CRM system that not only has everything you want, but has zero things you don't. No one needs complicated, especially when you wear 10,000 different hats at your nonprofit. So get DonorDoc and use Do Good Better at checkout and get a month free to try it out. Thanks, DonorDoc, for being an awesome sponsor. Hey, speaking of life being easier, fundraising is not... And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for more content, more done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to either commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, join Do Good University. Hey, it's our brand-new membership site. We have Hours and hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the entire Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions. All of that is for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes for details. Hey, get ready for another episode of the official Do Good Better podcast. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. And would you believe, I bet you would, that those who are going to help us do good better are actually the leaders of small and medium-sized nonprofits. I've got a good one for you today. I'm actually beyond super curious. And this is the best part about this whole podcast is I get to go meet super cool people doing super cool things all over the place. And then I get to report back to you and then you get to enjoy it too. Gatri Mathur, she's the uh, CEO, the Sundra Foundation. She's with us here. Uh, Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you so much, Patrick. It's wonderful to be here today. I am uh, I'm super fascinated with the entire concept of the foundation. I'm so excited that you're going to explain this. But if people are finding us on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube or wherever they find this delightful podcast, they don't know much about it. So would you kind of start us off with a 5,000-foot view on who you are, what you do, and why we're talking today? Sure, I'd love to. So as you said, my name is Gayatri Mathur. I am the founder and CEO of the Sundar Foundation. We started in 2018 as a startup to provide healthcare access to India's working poor when they have a medical emergency. I have been a healthcare professional for over 30 years. So that spot uh, is really close to my heart. I'm originally from India. So that follows naturally that I wanted to 
work back in that community as well and give back in that community as well. So it came to me that um, this is a sweet spot that is my passion and is very much needed. In India, the government does offer free healthcare. However, uh, the lowest levels of income are the ones that are supported the highest, which is natural, which is everywhere. Uh, now, the next level up, folks who are making between 3 and $5 a day, they make too much to qualify for all the government aid, yet they don't have enough security because these folks are usually uh, daily wage earners. You know, they are folks who uh, could be household help or construction day laborers, people who have a daily income. They have enough to put a roof over their heads. They have enough to put some food on the table. Usually they're living in a slums and they're sending their children to basic schools, but they have enough for that. Now, in India, you have to pay for healthcare first. Mm. That is the system. If you have a credit card, not a problem. When you have an emergency, something unforeseen, it could be something simple like, you know, a kid falls down, fractures a bone, you put down your credit card, get the help you need. It's a bump in the road. No big deal. However, for somebody who earns just 3 to $5 a day, they have no savings at all. They have no rainy day funds. They have no access to formal banking or loans because they are unbanked. So where do they go? they actually have very few options. They either have predatory lending or then they have something like, you know, go to friends and family who are also in their situation and really can't come up with a whole lot of capital all at once. Mm -hmm. Or then they go without healthcare. Now, this is where the Sundra Foundation steps in. We provide that financial bridge that gets everyone to see a doctor because we believe that everybody has the right to see a doctor. Now, in an emergency situation, we get them to see the doctor. But the second thing that we also do is prevent a financial catastrophe. Because if they hadn't got this very tiny grant, they would have had either, as I said, you know, predatory loan, which then feeds into intergenerational poverty. So that's basically our mission. We want to help people see a doctor when they really need it, and we provide the finances to do it. It's a fascinating and a wonderful niche that I don't think, and like, there's not a lot of people who think about that because that is something. It's it's either you're unable to pay for anything or eh, you're fine, right? So there's that middle ground, which I think is a it's a wonderful thing. So how do people who are working class uh, in India know about uh, the Sundra Foundation and how do they apply? What's the process by which they get? to uh, to engage with you to say, hey, this is an issue. I've got one. Can you help? Yeah, I think part of the issue for us was to figure out how do we make sure that our money is transparent and accountable? Uh, as you know, in, when money is given out, sometimes that can be an issue. So we put that front and center. Um, as I mentioned, I was a healthcare professional. I had no idea about business. So for me, it was like turning the Titanic around. How do I operate a functional business that happens to be a nonprofit? Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, I was incubated at the University of Chicago's Polsky Exchange. Now, I was the only nonprofit at the time, and it helped me to start thinking in terms of business because my whole cohort was, you know, all startups, but they were for-profit companies and business, uh, the experienced people. Mm 
So I had to think of what's the best way that I can do good better, to take your phrase. Um, and how do I do it that's accountable and transparent? And because money's crossing borders, we have to do it in a legal way that satisfies the US laws as well as India laws. So there were many, many very complex issues that had to be considered. The other final thing is this cohort of working poor people in India, uh, by some estimates, is like 300 million people. Mm. Okay. It's almost like the whole population of the US. A small nonprofit like us, there is no way we can meet that. So we had to find a, a, a constructive way to find the people that need the help. And the way that we do that is by not reinventing the wheel and plugging into nonprofits in India that are already working. And that's really the folks that we serve. So they don't find us. We find them through nonprofits in India. That's Does that great. make sense? That's a wonderful, that's a wonderful way of doing that. And I think that's actually solved a lot of problems that I think some startup nonprofits looked at like, oh, all right, we're going to do this in a vacuum alone by ourselves. Where the real power is partnerships. You're, totally. you're supplying something here, but they're already doing it boots on the ground. So listen up, nonprofits. If you've got an idea, find yourself some partners and go get after it. There's got to be some of the stories that you use to keep going, right? So being a CEO of a nonprofit is very difficult. Being a founder is very difficult. It's not easy, but the stories of success are the ones that you just hold on to that go, all right, even during the hardest times, I remember this. I remember why we do it. Do you have a story that you just remember all the time of impact that you've made so far that you just go, this is why I wake up every morning to do what we do? Oh, absolutely. And there are so many stories that, uh, as you say, impact us personally that our donors want to hear. Uh, during COVID, you know, this was a very, important time for a Sundra Foundation because when we began, we had just had one year. 2019 was the first full year of operation. And then boom, we got hit. Um, a lot of nonprofits were not sure if they would survive. Mm -hmm. For us, it turned out the problem was the other way around. We could have sent more money because our processes were validated. And one of those um uh, grants that we gave during that time was this young woman. We work with a big education nonprofit. Uh, her teacher realized that she was not well. Now they were on Zoom classes. Yeah. Um, she was a migrant family that had initially been in Mumbai and then went back to the village in North India. And she was on Zoom classes. And her teacher realized that she wasn't looking and doing so well. She was otherwise the brightest kid in the class. She was always engaged, arguing with him about some topic in literature or something like that. And he noticed a difference. So uh, he you know, said, what's going on? And the mom said, oh, she's not feeling so great. Well, that not feeling so great suddenly became a hospital admission. The teacher was on top of it. Uh, he let us know that she had a, a problem, a liver problem, uh, and she was going to need surgery. Hmm. So we managed to get the grant through and got her the help. This is what I got from the teacher. It was during COVID. He was not in the village. He had a limited amount of information. I was contacting him. Now, after all this got over, uh, I met with the young lady. Uh, that was one of the most amazing interviews that I have ever had. 
she uh, said to me that you know she said i come from a community where girls are allowed to be teachers or homemakers that's it my family uh, was is not educated and she said that she was she wanted to really do something with her life and when this illness happened she was in the village initially they told her mother that she's going to have surgery the doctor said you know she has to have the surgery and the mother was told by everyone around her she can't have this surgery because she'll have a scar and nobody will ever marry her mm. and the mother initially acquiesced to the social pressure and then the doctor said look lady if you don't get this girl's surgery there is going to be no future to get married this is what we are talking about it's do the surgery or this child doesn't survive so the mother agreed they had their surgery done and you know we knew that the outcome was wonderful but when i spoke to this child she said that my mother realized that at that time i could be anything and that scar doesn't matter mm. and now she tells me you go and live your best life and do whatever it is that you want and she says i want to be a surgeon hmm. now we changed with a simple grant with a small little amount of money it was not a whole lot i think it was 700 bucks okay it's yes it's it's a lot of money for them and it's a lot of money in some absolute terms but to save a life it's not that much money and we've turned around not only the girl and her prospects but this whole family's outlook that this girl can be a surgeon and she can actually change lives think of what we have done there yeah see that puts all your money into perspective it puts all the stuff in there i absolutely love it it's not all sunshine and rainbows though and i think no. that everybody would say that being a nonprofit is challenging in any particular times what what does the sundar foundation seeing right now that's biggest challenge and how are you overcoming that um as you know and as you mentioned uh, being a nonprofit ceo there are, there's a litany of challenges and we are all facing them all the time the first thing is we are all drinking from not only a little garden hose it's this <laughs> massive <laughs> hose that all of us have everything flying in our faces at all times but if i am to prioritize i guess the first thing that i would say is getting our message out mm. we do have an impact we are transparent we do it for relatively small amounts of money that have relatively huge impacts mm -hmm. so getting the word out is probably our biggest challenge because as you said we are niche we are small and our work is 10000 miles away mm -hmm. so that's probably the single largest uh, issue i feel when people hear us uh, you hear the stories you know that we are making a difference it's easy to connect but you know there's a everyone has an attentional span deficit right now there's so many things we have um in our lives that are you know our eyeballs are constantly being bombarded and therefore our brains are constantly being bombarded so how do we get our voices heard and how do it's not just my problem it's all small nonprofits the big ones everyone yeah. you know because big nonprofits have the budgets to have a marketing department mm -hmm. we don't have that budget we are never going to have the budget because we we stay lean we want to stay lean 
And we want to have our impact, you know, maximally in our grant areas for the people we are serving. But that comes at a cost for us. How do we, what's the loudspeaker that we can tell everybody, hey, we're here, we're doing something. And if this moves you, think about us when you have, as you said, you know, some uh, rich uncle that can help us. That would, everybody wants a rich uncle in the nonprofit world. Oh, I think it is. And then the uh, suggestion that, uh, why don't we just call Bill Gates? Really not helpful at all. They're board members. So, <laughs> but I think, but I think you make a really good point. And I think a lot of nonprofits are nodding their head going exactly. How do we tell our story to as many people as possible? I think, get with me here. I think your cheerleaders are the ones who you've already involved yourself with and getting them to testify on your behalf and having that multiplied. Mm-hmm. There's a strategy in there, I know. And speaking of strategies, you've been a nonprofit for a number of years. You've probably learned a couple of lessons or two. And do you have a tip and a trick for a smaller, medium sized nonprofit or maybe even a startup to say, hey, listen, this worked for us. It might work for you. Do you have something to kind of give some advice to those who are either in your position or maybe in the position you were a couple of years ago? What worked best for you? And what can piece of advice you can give to your nonprofit brethren listening tonight? Well, the first piece of advice is tenacity. Just hold on. Uh, That's what I learned in COVID because Mm -hmm. the instinct was to say, this problem is so big. Um, you know, these were our community, like I said, who are working poor, earning three to five dollars a day. They had zero income. We wanted to still help them. And we had to figure out different ways to n- do what we normally do in a completely changed circumstance. So there was a little pivot. But being tenacious and saying, no, I want to stick with this problem and having the ability to pivot a little bit, be, be nimble. So our size was our advantage. And mm-hmm. we use that. That's the lesson number two. Figure out what your strengths are and use them. Our size was our advantage. We said we are small. We don't have this huge infrastructure that we have to turn around or go through, jump through hoops. We, uh, our board was extremely supportive. We said, well, our constituents that we normally serve and provide medicine don't have food right now. So food is medicine right now. So we went out and gave food rations to people, for example, with one of our uh, nonprofit partners who was working in the TB last mile delivery space. You know, they said, we get them the medicine somehow, even though clinics are closed, we'll get them the medicine, but they don't have food to eat. And if you don't have food to eat, these medicines don't work. You can't because you need a good nutritional support. So we provided rice, uh, lentils, salt, sugar, oil, soap, uh, you know, and, and sanitary napkins, things that were essential during those times. Uh, and it wasn't really medicine, but it was. It was like medicine. So those two pieces of advice have served me really well. Being tenacious really believing in what I do, but seeing a different, a challenge as an opportunity and then really going for it. I love it that I think, well, first of all, the audacity to start a nonprofit and the audacity to do it. Yes. What I love most about what you just said is that use your size to your advantage. You're nimble. You're able to pivot. You're able to move at a moment's notice. And that's your superpower as a small nonprofit, use it well. All right. There's not people out there that want to give you a giant sack of money. I don't know what 
their problem is, and they probably should. <laughs> so they might not know where to go to support you. So if there's somebody out there listening, and there's somebody out there who's been moved by saying, all right, they've got this figured out and I want to be a part of it. How do we get you money? How do we help? How do we volunteer? Where do we go for all your information? Our website is our treasure trove of information, sundra.org, S-O-O-N-D-R-A.org. Uh, on Instagram, we are at Sundra Cares. Uh, Facebook, it's the Sundra Foundation. Uh, any or LinkedIn, the Sundra Foundation. So any of these platforms, we would love to hear from you. Uh, reach out, contact us. And even if it's just to follow us on uh, Sundra Cares, it would be phenomenal to share our work with people who are interested. And uh, there's lots of opportunities to volunteer, as you know, because there are so many projects, big and small, that can be done. And I appreciate the opportunity to, to share our work with you, Patrick. Well, absolutely. All of those links are going to be in the show notes. So get over there, click on it, click around to kind of see what you want to do. And while you're on the internet, if you haven't signed up or you haven't uh, followed this podcast, well, you should probably want to leave a review because this is the type of guests that we get on here. Uh, this has been uh, wonderful. I'm so glad, A, I know about what you do now. B, so glad that you have found a niche to help a significant amount of people in a very creative, partner-driven sort of way. Uh, kudos to you. Love your uh, helpful hints about, listen, your size is your advantage. I love it. And use your audacity and your tenacity to the betterment of your group. But most of all, thank you so much for being a guest here on the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you so much, Patrick, for the opportunity. And it's been a pleasure to talk with you today. Absolutely. Fundraising is hard. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight, tips, and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a lot more content, done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, I want to invite you to join Do Good University. It's our brand new membership site. We're going to have hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions, all for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes 